Hey, this episode was brought to you by the iBiomed department of McMaster University. Follow Mac iBiomed or stick around for more info. Hey everyone, welcome to Brainwaves, our second episode. Uh, this is probably a new voice since you didn't hear me in the first episode, but my name is Sam. I'm in my second year of mechatronics and biomedical engineering uh, here at McMaster. And Yumna, if you'd like to introduce yourself as well. Yeah, so I am your second host. My name is Yumna, and I am in the HESI stream of iBio, and I'm in my fourth year. And today we have a special show for you guys, and uh, we have some awesome guests here today who took a little bit of time out of their busy day of studying and other things to uh, be with us today. Yeah, so the first one is Alex Drover. Uh, so both of these students are now in medical schools, and they'll tell, them, tell us a little bit about themselves and their experiences. They were both in HESI, and they both got into medical school after their third year. So Alex, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So uh, as you said, Yemna, I started uh, with an undergrad in um, iBiomed in HESI, and I did three years there. Um, and then this year, I've just started my first year of medical school at the University of Calgary. And yeah, I'm in the, uh, my name is Arjun, and I'm in the same boat. I started, um, I did three years in HESI uh, with Alex, and now I am a first year med student at the University of Manitoba. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, like hobbies? And that kind of stuff, Arjun? Hobbies. Well, for me, um, I guess I play, watch a lot of Netflix, play video games, um, like working out, going to the gym, and then also play music, the violin. So, Alex, tell us a little bit about your hobbies and what you do outside of school. Yeah, sure. So, outside of school, um, the primary thing I do is running. So, I competed at McMaster for the cross-country and track and field teams, Um and then once I came here to the University of Calgary, I've joined the cross-country and track and field teams here. So I spend a lot of time doing practices, uh, just going for runs. Um, and then other than that, uh, I try to mix a little bit of um, fun time into my, into my studies. So I just spend some time watching TV and um, like going outside, doing some outdoor activities, playing games. Um, and when I can, I love to get out to the mountains because I'm so close to them now. Do you ever go for runs in the mountains now? Oh, man. Uh, a run in the mountains would suck. But, <laughs> um, I, yeah, you could call them mountains. But the ones in Calgary are just uh, hills that are not very fun to run up. Of. But uh, I, haven't got, I haven't gone for a run in, in the true mountains yet. And I, I don't plan on it anytime soon. <laughs> well, that's good. That sounds like fun. What kind of distances do you normally run? Like in your, um, like, are you like a long distance, short distance? Both. Uh, yeah, so I'm a long distance runner, so I compete in races generally between one kilometer and ten kilometers long. <sighs> wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, could not do that. <laughs> Same. All right, I think I think we have Arjun back now. Yeah, sorry, my so, Wi-Fi uh, just disconnected. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no problem. Uh, back to where we were. So, um, what kind of stuff do you do with your free time? Other things about you. Yeah, so for me, I play. I watch a lot of Netflix, play a lot of video games. I like I liked going to the gym when they were open, but now it's a little bit of his home workouts. And then I also play uh, the violin in my free time as well. Sounds good. Cool. Yeah, the gym's closing uh, or hurting a lot of us, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, let's get into a bit of the content. Arjun, we'll start with you this time because we kind of started with Alex last time. Uh, take us through a typical day with the online medical school and everything that's going on. Take us through um, your typical day. Yeah, for sure. So for me, um, 
Of course, there's lectures every day. <laughs> the distribution is, of lectures isn't really consistent. I, for example, like some days I'll have two lectures, some days I'll have like four or five. And, they, and so for my days, um, my courses are organized in blocks of like subjects. So for example, I'll do like, like right now I'm doing neuro, neuroscience for a month and then I'll have a midterm and a final and then I'll move on to a different course. So every lecture that I've been having every day is about different topics in, in neuroscience. And then so during a, during a day, I'll have some lectures, I'll have some mandatory tutorials. And then uh, for us, they also allow us to go to campus. Uh, so all of these lectures will be online via Zoom. But then I also um, have the opportunity to go to campus a couple, few times a week for anatomy labs, as well as uh, clinical skills classes. And yeah, that's pretty much how every week looks. Hmm. And so you're doing the neuroscience block, you said now. So like, what would what is your so next the, block? Uh, it'll be it'll be it's Christmas break uh, starting December 18th. But then in the new year, uh, it'll be a musculoskeletal system for two weeks. <laughs> and then it'll be uh, after that women's reproductive health and then so on. And do those recur every year and like build on or is it like you do neuroscience now and then you just like don't do it for a while? So so for us, what we do is that we have one year of uh, so we go through all of the different body systems talk about how they work like on a normal basis and then we'll go through them again next year and focus a lot on pathology so for i'll be doing neuroscience again next year at this time but with a more of a focus on pathology and how disease states work in the body oh okay that's that's cool though that's really nice really interesting what about you alex yeah, so typical day is a pretty bold uh, word to use because there is no typical day right now. It's pretty interesting because when people in undergrad ask me, like, what does a week look like? I presume they're like thinking along the lines of how like our iBiomed blocks work to where it's like you have the same lecture at the same time every week. Um, but that's just not the case right now. Um, and I don't think it's normally the case either. Uh, we just have different things going on every day. But like Arjun said, it's it's sort of a mix of uh, lectures and clinical skills, um, things like communications, physical exam. Um, so if you could call any day typical, I'd say it's like uh, two to six hours of lecture time, um, lecture time being delivered completely um, either by Zoom or by pre-recorded podcast. Um, and then we do Sometimes, uh, I'd say one to three times a week, get to go in person um, to do those sort of communications, physical exam skills. Um, and yeah, that's a that's a pretty typical day for us. That's cool. So, are you focusing on a specific like subject right now, or do you do everything? Yeah. So, similar to Arjun's class, our courses are kind of blocked um, into chunks. So, we have what was called Course One from. Um, would have been September until Thanksgiving, and then now we're in course two, which is rheumatology, uh, dermatology, and orthopedics. Um, and then we'll wrap that up with a final on December 17th, and then in the new year, we'll move on to some cardiology and respirology stuff. So you only have one final? Uh, yes. So our end of like semester, if you will, isn't really an end of semester because our courses aren't um, arranged in that way. Um, but that one final will sort of encompass everything that we've been learning in this block, as opposed to having uh, a few different finals each on uh, subtopics. Okay. So that must be a huge final. Is it like a pretty long final? Or? Um, it's, I believe it's just three hours. Well, just three hours. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty long. Yeah. But um, not insanely, like it's not MCAT long, yeah. uh, but it is like, uh, a little bit of a different experience studying for like all these different subjects and bringing them together for um, one exam as opposed to like sort of 
um, sectioning off your studying for different exams, but it is uh, important, I think, to do it like that, um, medicine-wise, because uh, as we go and like learn more about all the different systems, you realize how interconnected every single uh, discipline is. So it's sort of, while you can um, categorize it into, well, maybe this is a rheumatology question, this is an orthopedics question, um, there's so much overlap between them that uh, it's more like studying uh, the topic of medicine as opposed to studying a very specific um, discipline within medicine. Is there like a clinical clinical skills test as well, or is it content? Yeah, so this one at the end of December or before we go into our break is uh, just a multiple choice uh, typical content exam or like clinical scenario kind of exam. Uh, the the clinical skills exams we do between years. So uh, we'll do one in the at the end of March, I believe, uh, which is the separation for my school, at least between first year of the MD and second year of the MD. Um, so that's an assessment to decide if we're uh, competent, essentially, to move into the second year of training. Um, and those ha- happen at the end of our uh, years, which aren't exactly years because it's compressed what happens when you're not competent do you have to repeat the first year or um yes i think there's opportunities to do sort of um uh, remedial stuff or like uh chances to to redo the examinations um if you are found to be not competent um i don't think it's uh, a super common scenario but um they they definitely do everything they can to like help everyone out. They're not looking to fail people. Um, they're looking to train people to, to be competent. So, uh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely there to support everyone. Make sure that, um, everyone's given the, a fair opportunity to, to get through. So how would you say, like in terms of workload, different from university? In my experience, I haven't, I mean, it's been like, there's been points where it's been kind of stressful, but like that stress is kind of mediated by the fact that all of my courses are pass fail to a certain extent. So it's like, uh, you just have to hit a minimum of 60% uh, to pass the course. Um, but in terms of workload, I would say it's in, compared to, I think I biomed preps you really well for it. I definitely, because I know in first year we, we kind of had it, it was really stressful with everything that we had, but looking back, it's, um, it was definitely beneficial because I just passed what was considered like like the worst month of uh, first year med here uh, in November. And it was comparable, I would say, to first year iBiomed. So I think uh, in terms of workload that it's, it's, it's difficult, but it's definitely manageable. That's awesome. Alex, how has your experience been? Yeah, I'd echo that. I think it's like um, there's a little bit more time put into it, um, a little bit more lecture time. Uh, a bit more time studying, but um, overall, it's a challenge. But similar to Arjun, it's um, it's pass fail grading. Uh, for us, it's not a specific cutoff grade. It um, depends how everyone performs on the exams. They sort of like uh, they uh, I don't know how exactly they determine the what they call the minimum pass level, but it's around uh, sixty to seventy, similar to Arjun's class. Um, but yeah, I, I think that relieves sort of kind of the pressure of it you're not striving to be perfect at everything um which is fair because you can't be perfect at everything in life so um i think it's a it's nice to have that sort of um pressure relieved so you don't need to be 
stressing about every minor detail. It's more about uh, learning in the big picture. And as I mentioned, becoming someone who can be competent in uh, medical practice. That's probably the best way to do it too. You don't really want to fail people. You want to train them like you said. So like another thing that a lot of people wonder, uh, especially earlier, because this podcast is targeted a lot towards like people coming out of high school who might be looking at medicine stuff is, do I really want to be a doctor? It's a lot of work, obviously, as you guys definitely know. So why did you guys choose to go to medical school? The reasons like, well, it's, it's pretty multifactorial why I wanted to go into medicine. I've always been interested uh, in medicine and sort of like uh, biology in general, uh, how the human body works, uh, typical physiology, and then pathology and like where things can go wrong, why they're going wrong. Um, and how uh, we with our um, sort of skill set and medicines and interventions are able to to help people correct those things that are going wrong in their body. Um, so that was one aspect to it uh, is just sort of like the more basic science behind it is uh, something I'm super interested in. So that was a, a good foundation for it. Um, but then it's also sort of the... Um, interpersonal stuff. So getting to work in teams, um, opportunities to be leaders within those teams, opportunities to teach other people. Um, I thought it sort of just brought a lot of the different building blocks that I want in my career and combine them all. And do you feel that so far, I know you're only a couple months in, but do you feel that so far the medical school has been that has like kind of been what you thought it's been like fulfill those things that you were talking about? Yeah, absolutely. You get to see so many uh, people with so many different careers in medicine through preceptors and people teaching you and what I've experienced. And it all is like super interesting, super cool. Uh, It all feels like everything we're learning is very applicable to what we're going to be doing in our career. Um, And yeah, it's it's really fulfilling. Well, that's good to hear. Arjun, would you... um... Would you say the same thing or something different or? Yeah, uh, it's more along, more or less along the same lines. I think for me uh, in high school and growing up, I was interested in, uh, actually I was both interested in both like the content matter of like biology, science, as well as like um, pre-engineering courses, I guess, like physics and those type of things. So coming into iBiomed, uh, I was, I, I was interested, mo- uh, more interested in going into a uh, medicine but I still had some of that interest for engineering. So I think that's why going to iBiomed was a good choice for me. But then going through first year, I realized that while I still did uh, enjoy a lot of like, uh, enjoy engineering, physics, that type of thing, I, I still, I lean more towards um health sciences and medicine. So I think that's why I chose to go into HESI. And then I think my uh, inclination toward medicine, which was further reaffirmed in HESI, because we went through a lot of uh went beyond just simply just like physiology, anatomy, that type of thing. We went and we we delved a little bit into like patient focus skills, like interviewing that type of thing. And I found I really enjoyed that. So I think that kind of just reaffirmed my uh, passion, I guess, for medicine. And I think some of Alex, I'm really finding, uh, I'm really enjoying and I'm really finding those aspects in medicine now with all of like the clinical reasoning stuff, a lot of the patient skills that we're learning in clinical skills. And I think it's all really, it's, it's all coming together and it's, um, yeah, it's great. So you guys haven't like experienced too much, but from from what you have so far, like what would you say are like the best and worst aspects of medical school? It's a bit of a I tough think, question. <laughs> yeah, I, I think for me the best like the best parts of medical school is like kind of what we said already is just the fact that 
uh, I really did really do enjoy like the content matter that we're learning. It's the stuff that I, I enjoyed in like second year anatomy uh, in, in biomed. It's just like it's a continuation of that and further application and not even more. It's an application of the stuff that we're learning that we learned, which is really nice. And then that paired with all like the like the different different types of skills that we're learning, the different patient interactions. So I think that's def- the, the best part. And also just making like, you know, like making new friends um, as much as you can with the Zoom learning, you know, and um is making new friends and working with uh working with colleagues that's definitely the best part in terms of the worst part about med school hmm i I think it's it's very circumstantial but right now i would say it would definitely be uh the virtual learning i think i think like as we mentioned med school is, is pretty stressful and like that's that stress is kind of pared down a little bit by going in person by interacting with people that type of thing and i think that makes it really challenging especially with uh, all the especially with uh, all the different with just the volume of knowledge and stuff that we have to know it gets pretty stressful so having that interaction is, is definitely a positive thing but I think that's uh that's something for all university students are experiencing and I think you can come I'm, I'm trying to think of something else that's more specific to med school I'm at a bit of a loss right now so I can come back to me on that Alex would you what would you say yeah I'm gonna have to agree with Arjun on sort of the best parts uh I love that uh, the content we learn um, is so applicable to what we'll be doing. Um, I think it makes the learning uh, super fulfilling, as I mentioned. Um, and you can just see where it's going to be applied in your career. So it, it makes it feel like there's a lot of meaning behind what you're learning, um, which is which is great. Um, and then I think on top of that, uh, I would say another great aspect of medical school is how supportive the environment is. Um, not to say I, but iBiomed's not supportive. iBiomed was very supportive as well. Um, but everyone, everyone in the medical school, all the students, all the faculty are all like looking out for each other. Everyone's looking out for everyone else's best interests. And it's like, um, it's, I don't know how else to describe it. Like, it's just a super positive atmosphere. Um, especially in these times where like, there's a lot more difficulty in terms of virtual learning, um, adjusting to things on the fly as different restrictions change and different uh, adaptations need to be made. Everyone's just making sure that everyone else is doing okay. And that's really nice to have. Um, The worst part of medical school, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, COVID. like I think there's there's a lot of missed opportunities in terms of um, building friendships, relationships with classmates, um, getting to meet uh, a lot more of the uh, preceptors and faculty, and some of our in-person stuff where we'd be sort of shadowing or like learning more about what different careers do, seeing what they look like. Some of that is more limited, which is unfortunate because um, that can be really helpful for deciding sort of what uh, pathway in medicine you want to you want to find for your own career, uh, which makes things difficult. Um, but again, that's pretty, that's pretty COVID specific. Um, I don't know if Arjun, you've thought of anything that's sort of like, the only thing I can think of, uh, is it's not really a bad thing, but for some people, it might be like a bit of like a, like, I don't know, a hesitant thing. It's just that it, it definitely gets better, but like in your first one, maybe one half, two years of med school, it's a lot of like, a similar style of learning to undergrad in terms of like you have like your daily day-to-day thing doesn't change a lot in terms of you just have a lot of lectures tutorials so that structure doesn't really change and if people were coming and thinking it'd be an immediate like 
like huge drastic change it's not really like that but that's kind of offset by the fact that you do have a lot of change in the sense that you're doing a lot of clinical skills you're going to an advi lab you're going to um you're doing like an exposure you're allowed to, shadowing exposures you're allowed to do you're able to do all those types of things so it kind of offsets it but i guess kind of like that mundane aspect of university is still there for a little bit and that i know it's not really so it wasn't really a major thing for me but i'm just it's the only thing i can think of right now that could be considered like a, a negative of med school yeah so we had a shadowing in our third year of hesi the course is it like similar shadowing in that way or is do you guys get to do something different than the shadowing that we had to do in my experience i was able to like I, I my experience i find that like for medical students it's a lot easier it's a lot easier of a of a process for to be able to get shadowing opportunities that's the first thing because for us they just gave us like a huge master list of of a bunch of physicians in in Winnipeg that are that would be willing to take on medical students for shadowing and you can just email them and they said and they'll be happy to take you um before like uh covid hit hit Winnipeg pretty hard i was able to do one shadowing exposure with an anesthesiologist and i found that it was it was pretty involved for a first year med student anyway like i was able to scrub into the or i was able to um uh, like the resident i was working with they uh, let me do some very minor like things and i think that uh and i was able to like ask any questions i want they showed me like they they spent a lot of time with me i spent like the entire day shadowing with them i saw two or three surgeries and like they showed me a lot of things in like pretty specific detail and i think that that was a pretty cool and different change from like the stuff that uh we saw in a third year hasi not just that was that was also like a really good shadowing experience but that's just like the the difference i found that is just a lot more uh, that was a lot more involved in medical school than it was in undergrad yeah for sure you're like a random undergrad shadowing them <laughs> versus you're like a a doctor in training or or a medical student makes a mm-hmm. big difference how about you alex yeah i can't really comment specifically on shadowing just because our shadowing has been completely shut down since um since March before my school even started. Um, so I haven't had real opportunities to shadow, but I think that also comes back to uh, what I was talking about in terms of the environment being so supportive and those people who are willing to take uh, students on as just there sort of in their work environment. Those people are really passionate about the opportunity to teach. And as Arjun mentioned, they're more than happy to have you in there and try and get you to do things that are uh, at your level of being able to do so or do whatever you can um, which is great because um, it sort of gives you that hands-on opportunity to understand what you like what you don't like uh, and make those decisions moving forward hmm this is probably where we put a commercial break if we had any sponsors as of right now we're just a bunch of students who want to reach out to our professors our peers and especially to you listening in right now. If you want to reach out to us, you can send a voice message at anchor.fm slash McMasterIBiomed or fill out our online form at bit.ly slash brainwaves dash questions. Back to the show. So we've kind of been talking a lot about uh, what you guys are doing now. Uh, we kind of want to transition the folks a little bit to what you guys did to kind of get here. So we'll start off with when did you start planning for medical school? And I don't remember who started the last one. Uh, so whoever can take it, whoever wants to take this one to start. Yeah, I can start. Um, in terms of planning, I guess coming in, I thought process wise, like coming into first year, I knew it was something that I wanted, that I probably wanted to do. But in terms of the actual, like getting everything ready was kind of 
I think it was summer 29. No, no, sorry. It would have been during, during my second year. Um, cause I wrote, uh, so I started gathering like all the information that I needed during the year. And then, um, like go, going on the different websites, that type of thing, getting the information, collating data, making sure I, uh, I, I know what I needed. And then I wrote my MCAT, uh, summer 2019. So between second and third year. And then uh, during that summer is also preparation for the Casper test, all those types of things. And then of course it would have been the application beginning of third year and then so on. And then the interviews and everything during that year. And of course, matriculation into med school this September. Okay, and did you find that starting early was uh, helpful, or would you have started earlier, later, knowing now? I mean, I think it depends on what you're looking for, I think, because, for example, I was mostly interested in just applying to Canadian universities, and even that, just, just a handful of them. So it, it didn't really take very long to um to gather all the information I needed. I think starting a little bit earlier for me was good, because I didn't have to worry about gathering that information during the summer, so I could just focus on like my research and studying for the MCAT. But um, I think that the earlier, if you're applying to more universities, for example, like in the U.S., international, even more universities in Canada, there's more, of course, there's more information you need to gather, right? And the earlier you start, the better, the, the, the less stress you have. Because like that summer where you write the MCAT will be pretty stressful as you like prepare for your applications, you know, write the actual MCAT. Okay. And like what, when you say gather stuff, like what kind of stuff did you gather? Like writing essays, kind of stuff like that or... Yeah, some of the universities that require essays didn't release the essay topics until like the mid-summer of the year that you year before you apply. But I was just gathering information like on dates, deadlines, all the documents that were needed for each university. Because each university, there's a lot of standard, a lot of, lot of standardization, but um, there's a few things that some universities require that others don't. Oh, okay. And Alex, was your experience similar or a bit different? Yeah, so I was in a similar boat. In terms of specifically preparing for it, med school was kind of at the back of my mind um, since high school. And like, I was aware of the fact that um, the med school applications are a competitive process. Uh, you need good grades, you need good extracurriculars and stuff like that. Um, but in terms of like specifically preparing for medis- medical school applications, um, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to like build my extracurriculars or build my life around what would look good on a medical school application. It was more like I'm going to get involved and do things that I enjoy and whatever's whatever I'm going to be happy doing and then the rest will sort itself out. Um so in terms of actually like starting to prepare for medical school applications specifically uh it would have been I think the same summer as Arjun the uh, summer after second year was when I studied for and wrote my MCAT and then just like he did following that, um, started looking at information from the schools I wanted to apply to, figuring out deadlines, figuring out what sort of things each school needed for their application, uh, and then just working on that sort of uh, progressively throughout the fall. And did you also apply to a handful of Canadian schools or did you also apply to like US or national? Yeah, so I also just applied within Canada, somewhat broadly, all over Ontario and then Calgary as well. Yeah, so in terms of throughout the whole process of applying to med school. How did you think like iBiomed helped you in that process? In terms of like the actual training you get from iBiomed or like the skill development side of things, um, I think it was really good in terms of having the opportunity to, to, to do work in groups. You're not just sitting in a lecture, learning things and writing a test. There's more group work, as I mentioned, hands-on experiences, chances to develop sort of those soft skills that you don't necessarily get from a lecture. 
Um, so that was really good in terms of preparing for medical school. And then on the side of preparing for a medical school application, um, I think iBiomed was nice because it's uh, it's a brand new program for us, at least um, Arjun and I, as you know, Yamna was, um, we were in the first year of the program. So it was brand new. Um, it sort of stands out as opposed to like a maybe more typical health sciences or biology major. And it gives you as well something to talk about in interviews because as as it is something that makes um, you as an applicant unique, it's it's nice to pull stories from it and pull things, pull your experiences from the iBiomed program that uh, you think make you a good candidate for medicine, which I think iBiomed does prepare you for medicine quite well. Yeah. Were there any specific particular stories that you think made you a good candidate or... I think some of like the the project-based stuff we do, I don't know if I can give you a specific story, but more just like the process we go through in terms of doing um, a lot of human-centered design in HESI is very similar to the sort of patient-centered care that you do in medicine. So where it's uh, human-centered design might be more like commercial-ish or like business-centered it's very. It's a very similar process uh, to patient-centered care in that you're trying to do whatever you can for the patient because that's going to give you the best outcome. And I think it was just that process that puts you in a good, or understanding that process and having experience in that process that puts you in a good position. Arjun, would would you say it's uh, something similar, or what? What was your experience? Yeah, I think Alex hit it spot on for all of like soft core skills and that type of thing. But I I think just to add on to that. Other things that iBiomed preps you well for is just, like I mentioned before, just like the workload. I think that you get hit pretty hard in iBiomed, but that's that's a good thing. And I think it really does prepare you um, to deal with stresses in med school or any other professional school or anything else you decide to do. And then I think just content-wise too, a lot of the, I know we all had it pretty hard again in anatomy in second year. It's definitely very, very helpful in second year. Like the vast majority of the things that I've been learning so far have been at least somewhat covered in second year anatomy and now it's just kind of relearning it and then building upon it and applying it to different clinical situations and i think having that background has been really helpful i'm in uh, second year anatomy right now so i definitely understand what you guys are talking about (laughs) (laughs) so you mentioned the mcat a bit earlier so um what kind of how did you go about studying for the mcat like when did you start Uh, did you buy the prep books or anything like that or yeah um for me i started i think i started in may May, in may of that summer and i wrote it at the end of August of that same summer. And uh, in terms of studying, I just, I bought the Kaplan review books. So I used that in combination with the, some online resources. Like for example, like the AMC has practice tests on their website. I bought those to do. There's a few other like random miscellaneous questions that you can find um, from different sources on the internet right, that I used. Uh, that, that's about it. That's all. That's what I did for studying. And Alex, did you also buy the books? Uh, yeah, similar for me. Um, I took a bit of a winding route uh, in terms of my MCAT studying. I started out buying some books, and then I also had a tutor for it. I didn't find my experience, and no knock against the tutor, but my experience with the tutor, it just it wasn't worth it for me. Um, so I stopped with that, tried using the books for a bit, and then even then I found I didn't like the books that much. This Disclaimer, this is like a completely personal opinion. If you like the MCAT books and they work for you, go ahead and use them. But I'm not trying to, I don't endorse them, but I'm not trying to like slander them either. Um, So yeah, I ended up using a lot more of the um, Khan Academy resources 
for the MCAT. I believe they might have been taken down. I don't know if you guys are familiar with what happened. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I think they lost, like, like, they didn't get enough funding for it or something, so they weren't able to keep them up. I really hope that changes because I think it's fantastic that those were a free resource um, for anyone to use. But yeah, I thought those were those were a great resource and they were probably my primary resource. I also used a couple um, sort of review summary notes that other people had developed and put on or sort of published on public forums like Reddit to be used by other people studying. And I found you might have to search through some of those to find one that sort of sits well with you and works for you, but I did and I used it for studying. And then as Arjun mentioned, the AAMC stuff is top-notch practice questions because it's coming straight from the source. You can't beat it. And did you find that a lot of the stuff on the MCAT you've seen in other courses and stuff, or was a lot of it you learned from those resources that you were talking about? Uh, Definitely a mix of both. I found like coming from iBiomed where we have that sort of engineering element, it it put us ahead of the game in terms of like physics stuff or math-related stuff. And then there were other aspects like organic chemistry where... I wasn't planning on taking that course until the following year after I wrote the MCAT. So there was more of that stuff that I needed to study for the first time. But yeah, some stuff already knew, some stuff needed to brush up on, some stuff was completely brand new. And would you recommend taking it in courses? Like the stuff that you had seen in courses, did you find a benefit in having seen them already? Or would you see find that the practice was sufficient? Yeah, like it was definitely easier. It made studying easier for the things that I had already studied before in courses. That being said, I don't know if you can necessarily completely arrange your course schedule to have everything done before when you want to write the MCAT. It's just, it might not be logistically possible, or it might just be putting yourself under way too much strain to have a bunch of difficult courses all at the same time. So there are benefits to it, but also just be cautious with that and understand what you're getting yourself into if you're trying to load courses in like that. So yeah, there is some benefit to it. But on the other hand, there is also a huge benefit to me at least in learning organic chemistry over the summer and then taking it in the fall. I found that that was like, it made organic chemistry, which a lot of people say is like a terror course um, into something way more manageable because it was stuff that now I had learned on my own for the MCAT, but was just sort of reviewing it for this coursework at McMaster. So it's kind of beneficial both ways. Yeah, for sure. Arjun, would you say the same in terms of like taking courses? I know you took like biochem to EE3. Uh, Do you think like that was helpful? Some other courses that you might have taken? Yeah, for sure. I think that if you have the opportunity to at least get some, like Alex, it's not possible to get all of them in um, a lot of the time. But if you have the opportunity to get some of the some of the courses in in your electives, some of them just might be part of your curriculum, right? Like anatomy for us. If you have the opportunity to get like like biochem in or something else like that, it was definitely help beneficial uh, for me. But then like for me again, like Alex, I I didn't take orgo yet. I I still haven't taken orgo actually. But uh, so like I of course had to learn that from scratch for the uh, for the MCAT. Yeah. So sh- shifting gears a little bit, still within the application process, how was the interview process? Yeah, so our interview year, I don't know how it worked out for Arjun, but the timing of the interviews with COVID was sort of like all hitting at the same time. So I had interviews at the University of Toronto, McMaster, and Calgary. And the University of Toronto was earlier, so that was in February, towards the end of February, I believe. That was the most normal one for me. Um, I sort of 
tried to prepare for it by understanding what format they use. So that's the first point is that each different school uses a different interview format, um, whether that's an MPI like Toronto uses, a modified personal interview, or a lot of schools use MMIs, uh, multiple mini interviews. Um, so understanding what you're heading into before you head into it is good. And then sort of collecting cases and reflecting on your experiences in terms of what sort of things you can expect to be asked in an interview uh, and what sort of experiences you can share with them to to answer those questions. And definitely not having a, a script to answer every question, but having having reflected on those experiences gives you gives you those experiences at the top of your mind during an interview to sort of pull from um, and use to get across what you want to get across in an interview. That Toronto one was pretty normal. And then my next interview was supposed to be for Calgary, and that was scheduled for March 14th. And if you remember correctly, March 13th, I think, was the day everything shut down. So I was actually going to fly out to Calgary March 12th or 13th in the afternoon, and they sent us an email a few hours before my flight that the interviews were cancelled. So that was a big shock. Cancelled those interviews. Uh, McMaster also cancelled their interview shortly after. Calgary ended up replacing theirs with sort of an online modified version of the MMI. So it was video recorded questions that so they'd come on with a little prompt. It reads you the question, starts recording you, and you answer with your recording. It was way shorter than what a typical MMI would have been. It was like three stations as opposed to like 10 or 12. It took like half an hour to 45 minutes. And I really prepared for that. It was sort of similar in terms of reflecting on my experiences and having those cases ready to draw upon. But in terms of the actual format, it was completely new. No one knew what to expect. And it was a bit of going with the flow and being able to adapt to whatever it was like. Yeah. And for me, pretty similar experience. Um, I had interviews at Mac, McMaster and Manitoba. And like Alex, like McMaster, one got canceled and put into the lottery for that one. And then for Manitoba, I got lucky because my interview was in February. So I was able to finish my interview before um, everything hit with COVID. And so Manitoba used the MMI system, so the multiple mini interview. And I think preparing for that is a lot of what Alex said, just thinking about your experiences, what can be applicable. And I think another big aspect of it is just practicing because there's a lot of, um, you can find on the internet, a lot of different situations, scenarios. And a big thing for me was just uh, finding people to practice with. Unfortunately for me, it was a little bit more difficult because I was at McMaster, but then no one else at McMaster uh, that I knew of anyway had an interview with Manitoba. And since Manitoba interviews were so far in before McMaster's, um, there weren't many people preparing like in the moment for Manitoba. So what I did is I found uh, some guy on Reddit who was preparing for Manitoba interview and I met up with him and I was practicing. And I think, and it's funny, his name is also Arjun, which is a little <laughs> bit interesting. So yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing I found was, was just practicing with people on um, trying to simulate the situation as much as you can and then just go back and forth with another person or a few other people and then give feedback to each other. And I think that was the best way for me. I found that was the, the best way to practice and get better at doing MMI stations so that you'd be ready for the actual one. Did you use any specific resources like other than just like looking up online questions? No, not really. Just looking up situation and just practicing with people. I think Nick Master might have released some of the practice questions. It might be on the website or some other source, and I just 
went through some of those practice questions with people and just and went back. Sometimes you just make up your own situations and then discuss, right? Because uh, a lot a lot of situations that when you discuss with people, get other perspectives, you can get better at answering the types of questions. So now this next one is going to be a bit of a tough question. So I'm warning you guys in advance. But um, so we've been talking a lot about the application process, your interviews. So um, we're going to start with Alex on this one. You get the uh, challenge of going first. So uh, could you describe an ideal doctor? And is this being tested for in your experience in your application and interview processes? Wow. Um, an ideal doctor. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like an MMI question. I don't know if an ideal doctor exists. Um I don't know. There are lots of things that go into what I think would be a good doctor. I think lots of it comes down to sort of your skills around empathy and compassion. There's a lot of people who are really smart, a lot of people who can get the facts right, get the answers right. But if you're not able to do it in a way that helps patients and helps patients feel better, it's not as useful. And so do I think that's being assessed in the interview process? Yes, I think like that's why the interview is such an important part of the application process. There's a lot you can learn about someone from sort of their paper application, what they've done in their life, how good of a student they are. But there's so much more you can learn about someone by talking to them and maybe asking them some questions that are a little bit more difficult, that don't have clear answers. To, to learn more about sort of their thinking pattern and how they how they address difficult situations. That's the best answer I can give. <laughs> that was a good one for being put on the spot. That was good. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> All right, Arjun, you have to follow this one up now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's going to be tough. I think that the, I guess I'll start with the latter part in a sense, because I, I think the interview process does, like I agree with everything that Alex said, and I think that's why, you know, for like med schools in general, but also different people you talk to that having stressed the importance of, if you ever heard of the CANMED framework or the CANMED postulates, and I think in in what traditionally considered like the ideal doctor is, is a doctor who emulates those um those attributes, right? So someone who's committed to patient autonomy, for beneficence, those type of things. So when I think that like Alex said, a lot of people are really smart and everyone who applies to med school is incredibly smart, right? And I think that it's just making sure that you have a physician that, that is competent. And of course, competent refers more to just having the skills necessary, but is able to express empathy, express compassion, and kind of emulate all the different attributes of the CanMed framework. And I think that, of course, no student applying to med school will be perfect in any of the attributes by any means. And that's why, like, in med school now, Alex and I are being, like, instilled with all of these different attributes. We're, we're learning uh, professionalism. We're learning all different things that uh, attributed with that, like how to deliver bad news, patient, uh, information disclosure, all these type of skills. But I think that all of those holistically together is what makes an ideal doctor. And I think that that's why I think the interview process does do somewhat of a good job in kind of assessing those type of things because those are the type of things or at least a basic understanding of those concepts is kind of what the interview is looking for that you're able to express compassion given a specific situation you're able to express empathy of course like your interviewers aren't expecting you to give like a perfect answer uh, they definitely don't expect you to have all the medical knowledge but they're just kind of looking that you are able to express that empathy compassion be able to like take on another person's perspective and i think they do the interview does do those things pretty well that's 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 awesome. So good answers, both of you guys. So this is an easy one. And so what what was the first thing you guys did when you found out you got into med school? 
When I got the news, I was playing uh, PlayStation with, with Zarek, kind of with a fellow HESI student. I was playing PlayStation and I got the email. I checked it. I, I screamed. I was like, yo, I was like, yo, I got into med school. And then uh, and it was kind of again. But at that time, it was in Winnipeg. It was like complete shutdown. Like, it was even worse than that. I couldn't do anything. So I was, I was happy. I told my parents. I got a snack and I just played more video games. Like nothing else I could really do. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, though. Yeah. Alex. Uh, yeah, when I got the news, I think I got the email while I was having dinner with my family. And it's sort of like my phone was on the table and it popped up with an email from the University of Calgary. I forget what the subject line was or like the first little, you can read like the first sentence or something on the thing that pops up on your phone. But I couldn't tell from that information what the email was going to be telling me. So I was like kind of nervous about it. Didn't know if I should check it right there at the dinner table. I ended up waiting till the end of dinner, went into it and checked, and I got in. Pretty excited about it. Got to tell the family because they were all right there. I don't, re I don't remember what I did that night. I don't think anything out of the ordinary. But yeah, just yeah, started thinking about what it might be like moving across the country. That's really great. That's awesome. <laughs> so um, I guess apparently the way the questions are written, I'm going to be the one giving all the hard questions. So... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that may have so, been on purpose <laughs> yeah I don't know uh, I guess we'll see um, so where do you guys see yourself in 10 years and how do you plan on getting there 10 years I think that is a tough question I think it's a tough question especially because I have I literally have no idea what I want to do I mean like getting to med school is one thing but then once you get in it's like you have to make a decision about like the the tract of your career and there's so many different specialties so many different things that are interesting and I didn't have any idea coming in. So I think 10 years from now, I guess the most vague answer I could be giving is practicing in a field that I enjoy because I have no idea what that field is right now. Um, and um, and uh, yeah, I think that's, that's like the best answer I can give right now because if I, if I knew like the specific uh, subfield, I'd be able to be like 10 years from now, I could, be, I could still be in my fellowship years, you know, I could still be in residency depending on how long it takes. But I think, yeah, either being in residency or starting my, I, I guess 10 years from now, I'd just be starting my uh, career in a field that I enjoy. I guess that's the, that's the vague answer I can give right now. That's still a good answer, though. That's that's a good answer. And Alex? Yeah, I have a similar experience. I mean, I had some idea that medicine was a broad um, sort of career path, but I had no appreciation for how incredibly vast it is. Like, you can ask someone in undergrad what they want to do, and they can say they want to go into medicine. But that doesn't answer the question of what they want to do at all, really, within medicine. Like, I think there's 50-something residency choices. It's just an incredibly broad field. And there's so many different pathways you can carve out in sort of making your career. And I'm in the same boat as Arjun, where I don't know what that is, what that means for me yet. So in 10 years, hopefully I'm done my medical training by then and actually working as a as a staff. But... Yeah, I couldn't tell you what I'll be doing or where I'll be living or what's going on. But like Arjun, I assume that whatever I ended up doing, I'll I'll be happy doing it. That's awesome. That's awesome. So um, this is sort of like our almost last question. If you could give one piece of advice to someone who is aspiring to do medicine, what would it be and why? Um, yeah, I can take that first. Um, my advice would be to just 
do what you love. Um, there's no cardboard cutout of a perfect med school applicant. There's no cardboard cutout of a perfect physician. You need to really be yourself, and that will solve a lot of problems in terms of what you look like on paper for applications, uh, and maybe more importantly, how much you're enjoying your life through uh, high school, university, and just in general. Because, yeah, that's that's easily the most important thing is to be authentic, be yourself, be unique, and do what makes you happy. Yeah, I'll echo that. And also, I think the biggest thing I, w- I wish I was told is just don't stress. I know it's easier said than done, especially when you get like closer to, you get ever so closer to the application. And of course, the application itself is pretty stressful. But like, I find that me, for me personally, I was like, it's always in the back of my mind, like going into university in the first and second year, just, but like, this is coming soon. Like, it's going to be a stress application. What if I don't get in the first time? You know, all those type of things. But I think like undergrad is probably like some of the most fun I've ever had, like in my life so far, is just enjoying that process going through. And I think the big thing to know is that you have so many opportunities to get into med school and I'm sure that like, if it's something that you really want to do, you'll get there um, eventually. So I think the biggest thing is like going through entering university is just don't stress and just enjoy the ride. Now, those, those are some good answers. I'm sure our listeners will be happy to hear those. Uh, so those are all the questions we have for today. Uh, at the time this episode is going to be released, it's going to be 2021. So just to wish all of our listeners a good new semester, good new year. Give us feedback if you want to hear from Alex and Arjun again. Let us know. We can bring them back. Maybe if they're not too busy studying or anything, they can come back on the podcast with us. That's all we have. Thank you for listening and see you guys next time. Hey, you've reached the end of this episode. Well, there's actually a bit more. Thanks for donating your brainwaves to us for this short amount of time. To keep up with what's on our minds, make sure to like and follow the podcast. We'll be releasing new episodes on the first Thursday of each month with a different set of hosts. Got a question, comment, or a suggestion on your minds? You can send a voice message at anchor.fm slash McMasterIBioman or fill out our online form at bit.ly slash brainwaves questions. Want to keep up with all things iBioMed? Follow our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube channels at MacIBioMed. And thanks to Lope Music Production for our background music. Until next time.